Welcome to Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for resilient entrepreneurs. My guest on today's program is Anissa Hudak, a founder of Trauma Healing Yoga Therapy Program. Today, Anissa is sharing her story of dealing with trauma by using effective science-based techniques. And she also shares some tips and strategies how to build a business you love. Hi, Anissa. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, is it morning where you are? Yeah, it's just How early it is. It's about 8 a.m. <gasps> oh, I'm sorry. I had to <laughs> drag you out of your bed. Are you a morning person? No. That's Good. why I have no makeup on. <laughs> you look beautiful. Oh, you're fine. Um, <laughs> so, Anissa, um, you've um we'll just go straight to the 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 meat of everything, right? You're an entrepreneur and you are running um uh, the, the, the trauma healing uh, yoga therapy program. How did you how did you become an entrepreneur in the first place? And um, what's the story behind the brand? Well, I had no aspirations of ever teaching yoga. I had um, I just wanted to do it for myself. And I finished my first yoga teacher training course. And within a month, I had two job offers. And it required me to create my own business. And so I was like, well, I think the universe is trying to tell me something. And so I created a business. Um, it's not the first business that I've run. Um, I was just kind of looking to um, just do yoga for myself. It was never about teaching. And it wound up becoming, you know, a, a business. Um, I became a certified yoga therapist. And at that point, I went into... Um, you know, yoga for PTSD and trauma. And that's when I really created the entire brand. Um, and um, here we are, six years later. Right. So can you just tell uh, the listeners, uh, what is PTSD and uh, how it? And I'm sorry, how? How do people get it? What is What is the definition of PTSD? Why do people get it? Well, post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's not really a disorder. Um, there's been actually a movement to, to take off the D. Um, and, and that's, it, it's a big question. How do people get it? It's probably easier. Um, everyone gets it. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. You could be in a car accident. You could be in a mugging. You could be a soldier at war. Um, you could have lost a child. You could have grown up in um, an abusive situation. Um, what it really is, is, you know, at what point does your brain become overwhelmed by the events around you and creates a situation where, you know, the brain just can't process it anymore. And so um, for me, that level is incredible, you know, different than for you and for the person next to you. And, so, you know, PTSD is a very individual thing. What makes me overwhelmed is different from you and everyone else. Um, other things come into play. How much stress has been in your life? What kind of stress level did you have prior to the event? Um and so there's all these different things that kind of come into play. That's why some people can have PTSD about, you know, clowns. Mm -hmm. And other people could be about war. That's why um, a platoon of soldiers can go out and some of them return with PTSD and some of them not. It, it's not a sign of weakness. It's just at what point did your brain become overwhelmed? Yeah. And it's about... So now we go into what is PTSD. PTSD is when the brain becomes overwhelmed. Um, you know, the best way for me to describe it is, have you ever seen two dogs fight? Mm -hmm. What happens after they break up? Do you, have you ever noticed what they do afterwards? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I, I remember when I was a kid, I saw a fight, uh, you know, dogs fighting, but I think they they look a bit shit 
sheepish. They're, they're a bit kind of, I think they're almost like want to run away. Uh, but I don't know. Um, well, I don't know if you remember, but you might have seen them shake. Yeah. They shake afterwards. And maybe you've seen people after they've experienced a trauma, they shake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we have two different brains. We have the upper echelon brain where we do all of our critical thinking, you know, math problems and logistics and grocery lists. And it's where our emotions are held and all of our critical thinking. And then we have the reptilian brain. The reptilian brain is where, you know, we're, we handle our breathing and our blinking and all the stuff we never really think about. And that's where the fight, flight, and freeze mechanism is held. So when that gets kicked in, you know, we leave the upper echelon brain and we're now in the reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. And in order for us to reset our central nervous system after the event and to go back to the critical mind, we have to shake just like an animal. We have to, I mean, we are animals, so we have to shake. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't occur, then we're stuck in the reptilian brain. So all of our emotional um, you know, regulation is held up in, in this other brain. So you might notice that people with PTSD, they're um, angry, very emotional, um, could be doing lots of crying. Um, you know, it, it starts to manifest as mental health issues, depression, anxiety, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. And that's because they're not functioning from the right brain. The correct brain. And so that in literally in a nutshell is PTSD. It is when we are unable to reset our central nervous system after an event uh -huh. and we're, we're functioning out of the reptilian brain as opposed to the, the critical thinking brain. Right. I, I actually uh, recently did um, a bit of a search on, on, on internet and uh, I've got the keyword um, tool Right, and I put the uh, you know the keyword PT, uh, PTSD in in the search, and I was a bit surprised to actually see that uh, I've got some stats here. Uh, in 2020, there have been 368,000 searches for this keyword, right? And you can see from 2004, uh, in 2004 there were. 20,000 searches. So imagine in the last 16 years, we've seen a massive spike in a search, people searching for this keyword, implying that there is a increasing problem and more and more people experience this, um, you know, post-traumatic uh, post uh, st stress disorder or, you know, syndrome, whatever you call it. But what do you think is causing this? Why, why do we, you know, why do people search for it? Why do people experience this? <laughs> What's happened to our society? <laughs> well, you know, I think one, search engines have become a thing and people okay. can search it. Okay. Two, um, you know, I don't think that you can live this human experience without having some sort of PTSD. There is something that has given you trauma. I mean, unless you're living in a bubble or under a rock. Um, you know, car accidents, clowns, you know, a mugging, seeing someone die, you know, whatever it is that's traumatic for you can create this situation. And the really sad thing about it is that, you know, this is really a basic physiological thing that happens to us. And yet it's not being like taught in high schools or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so now these people are, are like, okay, what the heck is wrong with me? You know, why am I acting this way? Yeah. Why is my family reacting to me this way? Or, you know, why is this person acting this way? And I think that that's why you're seeing more and more searches because people are like, what the heck is going on? I mean, we've become, you know, I don't want to say we're a more violent society, but definitely there's an increase in um, acts against one another. Yeah. And so, you know, there's more reason for us to develop it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, on your website, I've, 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 I like the phrase, your issues are your tissues. And you address this, um, you know, the, the, this, this trauma uh, through, through, obviously, you know, yoga therapy. 
what is the connection? Where you know, how strong is the connection between the body and the mind? Can we address the mind without addressing the body, or can we address the body and mind will take care of itself? Or does both have to be addressed at the same time? Because you you are addressing um, PTSD through the physical, right? Through the physical um, exercise. Well, the yoga, I don't know, therapy, not the exercise, therapy, right? But at the same time, you're also addressing the mind problem, the mindset problems. How does it work? Well, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> but how does it work? What's the what's the special sauce? Um, so yoga has a wonderful way of bridging the body and the brain. And when you have PTSD, the brain and the body stop talking to one another. They're not on the same page. They're not in alignment. And so that's why, um, you know, people sometimes with PTSD, you know, they're able to do things with their bodies that you and I would never be able to do. Um, I, I knew, had a client who he would um, he would go to the gym and he would literally beat his body to a pulp. His hands would be bloody and he would say, I never felt it. I, I don't I don't feel this pain. Wow. Okay. And that's because the bot the brain isn't registering it because the brain and the body are not online. One of the amazing things that yoga is able to do is to bring the body and the brain back in alignment. So that's one of the key things that we do. Mm -hmm. The other thing is with PTSD, you're either living in the past or you've got major anxiety and you're living in the future or you're doing both. Yoga brings you present and it, it really forces you to be present on your mat. Um, you know, a lot of the poses, if you're not present, you're going to fall over. <laughs> So you really have to be rooted in the present. So that's a really neat thing that yoga can do. The other thing is we're addressing the body. Trauma is stored in your body on a very cellular level. And so like a toxin, we need to work it out. We need to get it out of your body. There's actually muscle groups that hold on to emotion. Yeah. And we really work those muscles and, and those muscle groups to exhaustion. And if you've ever been to a gym and you've, you know, worked to it in exhaustion, um, you know, you might feel a tremor in, in your body. You know, you might feel your, your muscles kind of twitching and that kind of thing. We want to actually mimic that because that is mimicking the shaking that would have occurred after the event. And that is helping to reset that central nervous system. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of different things here. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's just not as simple as, hey, let's move our body. There's a lot of things going on that we're able to accomplish within an hour session. And you're getting a lot of, you know, bang for your buck. You're getting an hour session and you're getting a lot of things addressed. So it's kind of a real, it's really neat. Yeah. So how you've been uh, able to, to do this, because obviously, you know, the, how how I see this um, program is, you know, you go to to see your um, um, I don't know, your guinea. Uh, I don't know what is the right terminology. You go to the class and you you put the mat and you do all sorts of exercises on the mat in a physical sort of space. How how you've been able to uh, run these classes, given that we've been you know in the lock, in and out of lockdowns in the last few years. Um, how, how you manage this online? Because I assume your clients are now online. Yeah, and actually, pre-COVID, I was moving online. Um, what I was finding was, one, I, I wanted to reach more people. And, um, you know, I live in a town where the livestock outnumbered the people. And the cattle, they just weren't into the yoga. Um, <laughs> And because I do, you know, such niche work, um, sometimes people didn't want to be seen coming to and from a class like that. Whereas being online, it's really in the privacy of their own home. Nobody needs to know. And so it's it's worked out well. Yeah, because you're working with um, clients who are rape survivors, right? Yes. I, I mean, do 
I do specifically work with women who've been sexually traumatized. Yes, mm-hmm. Traumatized. And I, I guess there is stigma attached to, you know, being raped. And many women don't want to reveal this to their, yeah. Um, so it kind of makes sense for those women to be online and to be in an environment of, you know, where no no one can actually see them doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. So you've you've seen some um, in the, in the last year. Have you seen how your business been doing? Is it did it grow? Uh, did you actually see more clients coming to you uh, and and doing stuff online? Because what we've seen with many businesses in the last year that uh, some have been unable to adapt to this whole virtual way of doing business, right? And the businesses who managed to adapt quite quickly, they, 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 they've they seen really good, um, you know, um, growth figures, you know, and lots of interesting examples. I mean, even some, some of my, um, uh, you know, entrepreneurs I've been talking to on this program, they said that they've, they've seen some good results in terms of, you know, clients coming to them because they, they were online or they were moving online already you know before covid so how how's your business been doing um during the 2020 because everyone has kind of written off that year (laughs) a lot of people just say oh my god let's forget about this crazy year right so how your business been during that you know 2020 year um for me it was a year of growth and expansion but um kind of in a different way um i I keep saying to myself that 2020 was um, my year of the duck. And, um, you know, on the surface, you know, you see the duck and it's serene and kind of quiet and just hanging out. But underneath the water, you know, the legs are going. So um, my business, it looked really quiet on the outside. But behind the scenes, I was working on so many different projects, getting ready. I'm launching a membership for sexually traumatized women. And that's going to be coming up here in the beginning of March. It's going to be a month-to-month membership for them. Uh, I launched an app. So now you can download from your phone and get it right on your phone. Um, You know, there were so many different things. I was on um, over 25 different podcasts last year. Um, I mean, just really doing all this stuff. Um, Did I find that I had more clients coming in? I did. Absolutely. A lot more people asking questions. Mm -hmm. You do. How does this work? You know, that kind of stuff. Because keyword searches were up because people were sitting home (laughs) and they had time. They had time Mm -hmm. to do this kind of research and and look into kind of, you know, this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it it was, I think, a very interesting year all the way around. I mean, some businesses flourished. Others Mm -hmm. not so much, unfortunately. And um, so I can't say that I, you know, got a tremendous amount of clients, but I also wasn't really poised and ready for it either. I was doing all of this other stuff behind the scenes, which kind of has to happen. Yeah. So how long have you been running this business? It started in a studio about six years ago. And then um, about two years ago, I closed down the studio and I've been just kind of working on projects and getting ready to to leap into the membership. And um, I've been making mini courses and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it, it's been six years. Um, I started working with vets first. I was working with um, active duty and retired veterans. And um, I was working with a military post. And then I also had the private studio where I was working with all kinds of folks. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it, it all evolved. Yeah. I actually listened to one of the podcasts you've been to, and you said that, you know, you are a a rape survivor yourself. And and again, this is where your expertise, that's cool. I don't know. Can you call it an expertise? So, you know, passion to help women in the same situation comes from, right. And you also mentioned that, uh, it's when you started talking to a male therapist is when it helped you the most. And you also said that your focus is to help, you know, women. And I'm just kind of wondering, 
because I'm sure there are many, many male um, men who who have this, um, you know, stress disorder, right, caused by trauma, maybe sexual abuse during childhood or stuff, stuff like that, and maybe, you know, having this female presence and <laughs> direction from female can actually help them as well. But why are you specifically focusing on females? Well, one of the things that I noticed was that, um, you know, when you look at other organizations that do, you know, outreach help, like AA and a even Weight Watchers, one of the things that's really key component of, of their groups is the community factor. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to lift each other up, be there for one another and, um, you know, have a battle buddy, if you will. And so with it being, um, you know, rapist and, and sexual abuse and what have you, sexual trauma is such a delicate area. I was concerned that if I had men also in um, the group, that women would feel like they couldn't talk freely. They wouldn't be able to open up. Um, They, you know, and and I didn't want to feel, I didn't want them to feel that way. Yeah. But I I wanted to create a community aspect, but I didn't want them to feel encumbered by that. So your sessions, they they are group sessions or they are private one-to-one sessions, so both? Um, when you say community, that implies that it's it's a group session where women can just talk and kind of, it's like, well, when they can just share their experiences and get some support from the peers. You know, it's not so much about talking about what happened, because we all know what happened. We all know why we're there. This okay. is about, okay. I am tired of being on meds and talk therapy and not getting the healing and the closure I'm looking for. And this is where they start to realize I've got to get it out of my body. You know, my whole focus is to get this out of your body, to get your body and your brain talking to one another again. And so that's really what what my focus is. We don't need to talk about it. We can. I mean, if, if you feel, you know, like you need to talk about it, yeah, we can talk about it, but there's no need. We're past that. And you can go to a therapist and, and sit and talk with the therapist and, and talk it out. Mm-hmm. We're not there for that. We're there to move our bodies. We're there to talk about, okay, you know, I'm having trouble sleeping. What's working for you? And um, God, I got triggered yesterday. And this is what happened. And, you know, things like that. Um but we don't necessarily need to really focus in on what happened. Yeah. Can you can you get closure for, for you know trauma like this for the sexual abuse? Or, or will it haunt you till the last you know till the end of your days? Well, um, that's an interesting question too. Um, can you get closure? You know, I I've, I've been raped twice. And I really feel like I have closure around the first one. Um, I have done yoga therapy. I have done meds. I've done talk therapy. Um, I have done EMDR, which is an amazing thing. Um, It's a type of treatment. And I feel like I've got some really good closure on it. Now, due to the way the brain, um, how do I want to say, the brain files away memories. I might get triggered in the future. There's no guarantee I'm not going to get triggered. Now, my therapist feels like at this point, if I get triggered again, it's not going to be quite as bad. It's not going to be quite as forceful as if it was, you know, earlier. Um, Are you ever really rid of it? It depends on if you're triggered or not. My second rape, I'm still working on closure. Uh, It happened almost five years ago. And so it's still kind of fresh. My first one was 30 years ago. Um, So, you know, big difference. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that I'm working out all of the different areas that need to be worked out. I'm hoping to get closure. I'm hoping to not be triggered. 
I can't guarantee that. Again, because of the way the mind files away memories, you never know when you're going to get triggered. But you can have enough tools in your tool belt that when you are, it doesn't send you off on this collision course to disaster. It doesn't have to rule your life. And you don't have to be running around kind of always constantly looking over your shoulder saying, God, am I going to get triggered today? You don't need to worry about that. Yeah. But I guess for, for many women, I mean, it's, it's, it's perhaps it's more common um, you know, having such being sexually abused. It's, it's I guess it's more common than, than statistics actually tells us. <laughs> I don't know. It's, one in four or something like that well uh, yeah I guess one in four probably is, is the, the stats is, is not quite you know uh, correct um when it comes but the, the thing is a lot of women who experience this you know sexual abuse in in you know, they, they they tend to be very quiet about this right because they there is a, a there is a stigma around this and and b I guess many women also blame them, themselves. So maybe the society make, makes them think that it's their fault that they provoked men, right? Uh, so, yeah, I guess there is a need for places like, you know, you know your, your, your therapy for women to go and actually talk to someone in, 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 in private to discuss this. Because, again, I'm, I'm, I'm sure more women will be not revealing this and not seeking actively help for this type of matters. But like you said, it's kind of, it builds up and maybe eventually, you know, when they, you know, 10 years later, they actually they need the therapy because it doesn't go away. Um, no, it doesn't go away. And we actually think that the, the stats are more like one out of two women have had some sort of brush with sexual trauma in their lives. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know what? You can run, but you can't hide. It's going to come back and haunt you at some point. And um, you might as well just deal with it. And it's not pretty and it's not pleasant. And, you know, but when you deal with it, you get to the other side. Yeah. And a lot of women don't want to talk about it. A lot of women don't want to acknowledge it. A lot of women don't even realize it. And, you know, they wind up sitting, you know, what happened here? Did, you know, was I raped? Um, a lot of women feel like, well, my, my skirt was too short or my bless, you know, was open too much or, you know, all of these things. And, and no, it wasn't your fault, you know, and, um, you've got a lot of, um, you know, law enforcement, um, do they believe you? You know, um, you have that to deal with. It's a he said, she said thing. And then you also have where just the rape kits in general. Sometimes rape kits aren't rape kits aren't processed for five years or more. Yeah. Your attacker has been walking around free for five years. How how is that justice? Oh yeah, it's just something kind of you you said this and We've had last week. I think there was something on the news that um, police somehow deleted. So someone deleted like hundreds. I don't know the, the correct figures, but it's just around like hundred fifty thousand of, of all the records of criminals and all that. And so, so we're just like, oh my goodness, they've lost all these records of people, you know, walking around and meeting all these crimes. But you know, you you, you mentioned uh, twenty five podcasts right and you've been telling your story you've been very open did it actually help you to feel better about the situation to find that closure because um, does actually talking about this in public help you to overcome this trauma um there are some days i'd rather not talk about it back to the same times and you're you know, it actually triggers memories more. <laughs> is it better to kind of forget or is it better to talk it out? Um, well, as you mentioned, I, I I am on meds. I do see a talk therapist. Um, he is a male. Um, and he actually specializes in sexual trauma. And so um, I, 
I've really done a lot of work with him, which has been really phenomenal work. It's been really exciting. Um, some days it's daunting. Some days I really don't want to go, um, but I go. And just like being on podcasts, there are days when I'm really excited about it and, you know, it doesn't really bother me. And there's other days like, oh, I really don't want to talk about it today, but I do anyway, you know, and, um, and it, it's okay. I, I guess it's really about like anybody else, you know, um, has it helped me? I think when I hear a woman say to me, I heard you on this podcast, or I heard you talking about this yeah. and, um, it, you know, I feel like I, I can, I can do something about it now. And that's when it's like, you know, if if one yeah. woman was able to walk away and say, okay, I'm ready to do this now, then, you know, it was all worth it. Yeah. So how does your family, you know, you know, how does if how does your family react to, you know, when you go and talk about this openly in public? I mean, are they supportive of, of your, you know, entrepreneurship of your business? Are they supportive of your of you being so authentic and actually, you know, telling the story and helping women by being publicly, you know, open uh, and and telling your story. How how do they react to this? Um, they don't really mind as much. You know, it's been really interesting. I have boys. I've raised boys, and I think it's definitely had an impact on how I was a mom, um, and in teaching them what no means and how to proceed with a woman. And, you know, no means no. I don't care if you're in the middle of something. No means no. Stop means stop. You know, um, just because her, sh her skirt is, you know, however long, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, my son found himself in a situation where um, afterwards the girl said that he had raped her. And he came to me and he said, Mom, I don't know how to say this to you. And I said, well, you know, just tell me. And so we explained the situation. And the girl was was crying wolf. Um, I said, Mom, it was consensual. I said, you know, are you sure? Yes, yeah. Mom, it was consensual. And, um, yeah, she was just crying wolf. And and so, you know, it's been it, – that's frustrating when women do that because it makes yeah. all of us look bad, you know. Um, so it's been really interesting raising boys and raising them to understand what – consensual means and what no means and what stop means and um you know they're very aware of it yeah i've got a five-year-old boy but i guess it's all <laughs> but I, I think the education must start you know now <laughs> because yeah we've had some i don't know some on the news uh, i think last year they said even you know boys of six or seven they, they begin you know, um, yeah, even in the school, they, they, there are some boys that already start kind of, you know, uh, um, assaulting girls. But, yeah, I guess it's 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 an ongoing um, teaching, isn't it? Uh, ongoing, you know. You know, in that scenario, it's, okay, where did you see that? Did that happen to you? Yeah. Where, where are you seeing that? Because that's not typical six and seven year old behavior yeah i mean i was really shocked and surprised like oh my goodness really at such a um, young age i mean they already kind of start or you know yeah. sexually, you know using that's, your a, that's, that's you a learned that's yeah, a, yeah. I think so maybe they just watch yeah. some tv or some of some sort but no it's fascinating i guess our listeners would they will get a lot out of this because it's 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 the topic that hasn't been, you know, is not being discussed openly enough. And I guess we need to discuss these topics. But, you know, talking about, you know, going back to your sort of entrepreneurship journey, you said this was, this wasn't the first business you ever started. What was your first sort of, did you ever have nine till five job or were you always entrepreneurial <laughs> and wanted to be your own boss? Um, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a chef and I wanted to own my own restaurant. I come from a family of restaurateurs. And so I had always thought that I would own my own restaurant. That was always my goal. Um, then I, I kind of grew up and, um, 
I decided instead to become a paralegal. And so I would work for attorneys. I had a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked, I also worked for a, um, investment and insurance firm. Again, it was nine to five, kind of a corporate thing. Um, got married and, and, you know, moved away from home. And um, yeah, I started my first business. Um, I was working for a company called Longerberger. Um, it's a direct sales company. Um, and I was, I loved their baskets and I sold their baskets for them. Um, you know, and so then it went into a, another type of business like uh, that. And so I ran a, a series of businesses that were um, network marketing, direct mm-hmm. sales. Um, and then I started working for uh, another company. Again, it was corporate. It was like a nine to five doing business development for them. And then um, over the years, I had become a Reiki master, which is a Japanese healing touch therapy. And after I was done with um, the, the business development gig, I kind of sat back and was like, okay, what do I really want to be when I grow up? You know, what do I want to do with myself here? And I realized that I really loved Reiki. I really loved working with people. And so I said, okay, well, in order to do that, I really need to be grounded. It's very Mm -hmm. important to be grounded. And, um, for me, yoga did that for me. So, I don't really want to go to classes. I don't want to be on anybody else's schedule. I'm going to take a teacher training course so I can do it for myself. And that literally just, you know, life is a journey and here we are. Um, I never saw this coming. Um, I love what I do. I have the best gig in the world. I love what I do. I love working with the folks that I've worked with. I've had to, I, I've gotten the opportunity to meet some incredible people and I love being on the mats with them. And for me, yoga is this amazing, yummy gift and I'm not teaching it. I'm, I'm really sharing this really beautiful gift. And when I see people on the mats and I see them get it and I see them make a shift or a change or something, an aha moment, like that's worth more money than I can tell you. I mean, that's what fills the well. That's what gets me up in the morning is to help people make that shift. And I'm just, I'm in love with what I do, you know, but there's also the other side of it, the dollars and cents side, you know, Mm -hmm. I I have to wear the, the entrepreneur hat, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have to worry about, you know, marketing and social media marketing and email campaigns and, you know, you know, my all the boring stuff, yeah. all the boring <laughs> stuff, you know? And so, um, um I think that I, one of my biggest things is balance. How do I balance that? You know, learning to find the balance between what I love to do and all the other crap I gotta do. <laughs> yeah. I think there was a book I read called the, the road less stupid. And, um, Cunningham, I think the name of the author, and he's he's talking about uh, business owners uh, wearing these four hats, and the first hat is like creativity hat, and then I think it's the founder hat or owner's hat, and then he also talks about other hats that you you're not just a lot of business, small businesses they're so consumed into with this creativity and their product and their, the passion. They forget about, you know, calculating risks and measuring the output and, you know, measuring campaigns and whether their marketing strategy works or doesn't work and stuff like that. And it's like you said, finding that balance, right? Because you you want to do what you love and that's doing yoga and helping people. But at the same time, you have to do everything else, which you need to do. to run a, a, your business, right? Yeah. So how do you stay on top of things? How do you keep up with everything with what's out there? Because I, one of the problems that many small businesses have is that they get overwhelmed with so many different strategies, so many different tools, so many different ways to <laughs> sell the, their products and so on. How, how do you find that balance? What's your sort of strategy? I really try to stay away from shiny object syndrome. 
Yeah. Um, I really try to guard against that um, because that's easy. That's a really easy trap to fall into. Um, I try to find where I'm going to get my biggest bang for my buck. Um, and, you know, with my market, you know, what's really going to appeal to my market? Um, you know, right now, Clubhouse is the new thing, right? Um, yeah. What's that all about? I mean, I've got Android and I guess it's only for Apple. <laughs> it is. It's only for Apple. I'm on it. I have no idea what it is. Have you been invited? Um, yeah, I, I'm on it. You're on it. I, I have a profile. I don't know what the heck to do with it. Right. Um, my phone keeps going off with with notifications that people are in a room, and I, I've got no idea what it all means. And you know, you can't do everything. You need to pick a lane and stay in your lane, and you need to master that lane before you can start opening up to others. So being on every single social media platform, it's, it, you can't, you can't possibly physically do it all unless you've got a team. Mm, yeah. And so it's really about finding what is your biggest bang for your buck. Um, and especially with marketing, you know, that's a really hard thing to kind of decide and figure out. Um, but it, it's vital. And, and just knowing you can't do it all unless you have a team, you can't do it all. So, yeah, because yeah, you know, pick what you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick what appeals to you because that means you're going to be attracting people like you. Yeah, and that's an easy way of getting folks into your business by attracting people that are like you. Um, because usually people do businesses that are, you know, that appeals to them. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be my recommendation, and that's kind of what I do. Yeah, because all these marketing experts, they suggest, oh, you, you know, they talk about omni channels and you have to be very active on all different channels because it's all about having that presence. But then how do you manage this? How do you make sure you don't get yourself into the mental state when you're overwhelmed and you want to give up on this whole entrepreneurship gig? <laughs> <laughs> and that happens to me about once a week. I usually have a pity party at least once a week because you know? <laughs> I am, I'm overwhelmed and, um, and I get it. I, I'm just like every other entrepreneur. And if, if they say they're not overwhelmed, they're lying or they're not doing their job. <laughs> um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I decided to um, really work on my app this year. I really felt like um, women especially would really love to be able to have that at their fingertips. And it's private because it's on their phone. It's a little more private. And so I thought, you know, that might be really appealing to them. Mm -hmm. um, I also knew that because of keyword searches, anywhere in the world, you know, you pick up, you know, Android, you pick up Google, you you put it, or um, Apple, you put it in the keywords, my app is going to come up. I have a better shot of making, you know, getting clients that way than through um, Facebook algorithms, which change twice a day. It's true, yeah. You know, and so where is it better to put my money? Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's a lot of logic in what you're saying because, like, like you said, the algorithm is changing all the time. And I think that what last week, I think that Facebook, they they removed the pixel or something because again, Apple is now kind of uh, and they said that there'll be no pixel, Facebook pixel, it won't be as. <laughs> You're just trying to keep up with all, all that stuff, right? Exactly. 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 <laughs> and, and the way the phones have become such a mainstay in our lives, you know, that's why I, I figured the app would be, you know, a really great way of really reaching people. Um, there, you know, social media is getting so noisy and mm -hmm. it's so loud. And how do you get your voice across? And, you know, Sometimes it's not about shouting the loudest. Sometimes it's just being, you know, present in, in a quiet way. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping is that, you know. Yeah. I mean, on your website, you just, I, I love the video because you just say, well, this is what I do and this is how I can help. But, you know, if you need different type of help, you kind of, you, you can go and find this help elsewhere. And I guess it's just, it's just nice because. It's not being salesy. It's not being pushy, right? It's not. It's just being 
you know, very welcoming and, and, and providing that advice. And, you know, it's, it's not for everyone, right? And if you need some different, you know, different help, like a talking therapy or something like that, you can go and find that help elsewhere, right? So it's just like focusing on your niche, what you do and how you can help. And then if it goes beyond, you know, they can go and find someone else that can help. So it's, it's having that focus, I think it's very important, isn't it? It is. And knowing what my scope, uh, you know, what is my focus? What is my scope of practice? I'm not a talk therapist. That is not my gig. And so, you know, my whole job is to get it out of your body just to help you do that. And I realized as any good therapist realizes, you know, I want to get you to a place where you don't need me anymore. You're here for a reason and a season, but you're not here for a lifetime. I understand that. And that's okay. I'd rather you progress. I'd rather you not need me. But in the meantime, let's get to work. Yeah. So what do you do personally, you know, to safeguard your mental health, given the overwhelm generated by this whole social media and multitasking and, and lots of, you know, you know, other things you need to do as an entrepreneur? How do you safeguard your mental health? How do you stay healthy and focused? That's a good question. Um, so self-care. Self-care is so important, especially mm-hmm. in what I do. Um, one of the things is I, I see my own therapist. Um, you know, I, I have to make sure that during the day I eat because I will work for hours on end and not stop and eat. And so mm-hmm. I actually have an alarm on my phone to remind me to get up and eat. And I step away and I, I step away from my computer and I, I sit down and I, you know, will eat my lunch. Um, I usually stop working at about like four, four thirty, and I make dinner for my family. And I love to cook. It's a time for me to unplug, and I make dinner for my family. And when they come in, we sit, we have dinner together. Um, and then I might go back to work afterwards, but I still take this chunk of time and I walk away. Um, I have great friends. Mm-hmm. Lots of times I'm on Zoom with my friends to all hours of the night, which is probably not great. But um, there are days when I need to just, you know, talk with my friends and Zoom or FaceTime or you know, whatever I'm doing um, has really been helpful, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's just really safeguarding. And there are days when I unplug. There are days when I'm like, all right, I need a mental health day. I need to unplug. And I don't. Get in front of my computer. Okay. Yeah. I usually take off Sundays. I might work Saturdays, but I usually always take off Sunday. And I have a thing. We have family dinner on Sundays. So I'm usually cooking a big meal and I'm, you know, doing stuff around my house. And, um, you know, my boys know that it's 6, 630. Your butt had better be in a chair for dinner, you know. Well, that's great. Yeah. These are things that I really do to to ensure that, you know, I, I get unplugged time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm like this. Yes. I, I'm just like five o'clock dinner. It's five, then we eat till six, then my, my little one is in bed by seven, and then I can carry on working. But yes, it's, it's dinner time. It's, 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 is yeah, it's something which is really important because again, it's it's it can help you to actually be closer to your family, and as a result, you'll feel better and and more perhaps productive if you feel a bit uh, you know happier um, this way. But um, just to wrap up um, uh, our conversation, I mean, I'm I'm enjoying, I'm learning so much. Uh, but uh, just to wrap up, one lesson, and I, I guess I, I'm asking this question all my. Um, guests um one lesson if you were to teach one lesson um to starting entrepreneurs uh what would it be one lesson um lesson 
maybe one some one advice that you can give starting entrepreneurs that can help them in their journey because it's not easy <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> they need to believe in themselves they need to believe in what they're doing um you know there are some days when i'm overwhelmed and i i don't know what to do first i don't know where to go what you know and then I hear from a client that's had this, you know, wonderful experience. And then I'm like, okay, time to go back to work. Pity party's over. Um, you know, I, I need to, and, and I'm guilty of it as well. You need to believe in yourself. You really have to believe in what you're doing. Um, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get bogged down with the minutia of it. Um, you have to always be looking at the 10,000 foot view of why are you doing this? You know, do you love this? Don't do something you don't love, you know, but you really, you got to believe in yourself and you got to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anissa. It's, uh, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. It's been lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you for your advice and your wisdom and your positive energy. Right. Thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I wish your business to prosper in 2021. And um, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mental Wealth Entrepreneurs Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this show. Please send me any comments or feedback. If you're an entrepreneur and want to share your story, please contact me. The link is in the podcast show notes. Also, please see the social media links and uh, links to offers from my guests on the podcast notes. This podcast is sponsored by Smart Octopus Voice Agency, who create chatbots and voice skills on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. So I'm really excited uh, to tell you that this podcast is now available as an Alexa skill, uh, so you can search for resilient entrepreneur uh, skill and enable it as a flash briefing. So that's all for me. Um, I wish I wish you good mental health, and you are just one mind hack away. Till next time.